Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. So there you go. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to spend the next four weeks talking about the Holy Spirit, talking about his role in our lives, what he's intended to do, how he came about, and what what we need to do in response to his presence in our life. And so we are going to talk about the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, or you'll find oftentimes the Bible also says the Spirit of God, and he's making reference to that. And so I don't know about you, but growing up, I kind of, uh, I, I grew up in a, in a where I understood, I, I grew up in church, and I kind of understood God the Father, right? We, we don't understand God the Father. Most of us have a Father that is present in our lives, but certainly if you're here today, you had a Father, right, to even arrive here. So we understand God the Father, we understand God the Son, we understand Jesus. We can get that. You know, we're, some of us are sons, others of us have sons, so we understand that relational role, but when it comes to God the Holy Spirit, that third person of the Trinity, we kind of go, I don't really understand that. I don't really know what that's like because you can't see him. There's no other spiritual relationship that I have that I can compare that to. There's no other thing in this world that I can compare that to. So I don't really, I don't really understand that completely. So we kind of push away from it. In fact, if you're like me, you, kind of, you grew up in a, in, in a church where uh, you understood the Holy Spirit made you weird, Right, because uh, I went to a church where we went to a, a what they called them. They called them holy rollers back then, right? And they were they were spirit filled Pentecostals. All these words that describe spirit filled churches. And man, we're talking like the women had their hair up in buns, and they had long skirts and no makeup, and the guys couldn't wear shorts and no facial hair. I mean, like it was weird during the services. People would wail as they raised their hands and praised God, and they spoke in other tongues, and it was just, it was super spiritual, man. It was just kind of weird for me. And so if you grew up that way, you would think that was weird. Or if you ever encountered anybody like that, you're like, whoa, Holy Spirit stuff, that's just, that's cool that he exists, but that's just not for me. And so you kind of push, push away from that. They even had tambourines. This <laughs> is crazy. Tambourines. Yeah, just you ever been in one of those services where somebody's playing the tambourine? Well, it's, it's like, it's cool. It's like, all right, you know, I can do, get down with this. But most of the time, you're not in a service where it's played well. It's just offbeat and banging. It's not fun. It's distracting. Anyway, <laughs> so many of you have experienced this or you know somebody that did experience this, this, this super spiritualization of the Holy Spirit, this, this way far extreme. And what, it, what this has done, this extreme has done, I think, has kind of drawn a dividing line. A dividing line where we are like so far this way with the Holy Spirit that everything, it's this overemphasis on the Holy Spirit. Everything is supernatural. Everything is, is like, you know, it's either the Holy Spirit or it's a demon. You know what I mean? Like somebody gets sick, cast the devil out of them. The devil's attacking me. The devil's this. There's demons there. A book fell off the shelf. There's a spirit in the house. And it's like, it's just this overemphasis, right? But the dividing line, I think, that, that a lot of Christians hang out on because they don't want to be associated with what's weird, that, that far 
kind of that, that overemphasis, we wind up on the other side of the line, and it's this underemphasis of the Holy Spirit. We don't talk about him much. We don't engage with him much. We don't engage with the gifts that he gives us and his role in our lives. And so we kind of push away from like our weird cousin, Eddie. You all know who I'm talking about, right? We just don't talk about him. It's not something that we do. And so we push away and avoid that subject. But I think that it's oh so critical for us to understand his role in our life, to understand who he is, because he is the power of God at work on this earth now and in this world today. Not understanding the role of the Holy Spirit leads us to become people that the Apostle Paul was talking about when he wrote a letter to Timothy. It's called the book of Timothy. He's writing to his, one of his disciples, and he says, hey, listen, there's a time coming when the church, everybody say, I'm the church. So he's talking about you. He said, there's a day coming, Timothy, when the church will have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. What's the power? That power is the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so there's this dividing line. You're either on this side where you're denying that power in your life because you don't want to be associated with what's weird, but you need an understanding of of his role in your life so that you can embrace that power because the Holy Spirit is that power which is at work in us, for us, and through us. And so this series, I believe, is very important because it will help us get a biblical understanding of the role of the Holy Ghost in the life of the believer. And so what I hope to do today is to build a foundational understanding, and, uh, and we're going to start off right with Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. Jesus is, is talking about his exit from this world, and his disciples who have been with him for three years are a little bummed by this. And so he's trying to offer them some comfort. If you're following along in your Bibles, we're going to be in John 14. Otherwise, the verses will be up here on the screen. And as he's talking about leaving, he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. That's the Holy Spirit. And he says, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus makes it very obvious that the world can't accept the Holy Spirit because they don't see him and they don't know him. They can't see a spirit. A spirit's invisible. They can't see him. And so the world can be like you and I can be. We can be a little skeptical about that kind of stuff, right? We don't understand it. We can't see it. We can't feel it, taste it, touch it. So it must not be real. And so the world rejects the idea of a spirit, of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, that's going to be the case. But there's a few observations here for those of us that are Christ followers that are in this verse. First of all, the Holy Spirit is not an it, It's not an it. You see people saying, well, it's leading me to do this. The Holy Spirit, it. They refer to it as an it. It's not an it. Jesus says he. It's a person. The Holy Spirit is a person, okay? Second thing is Jesus says you know him. Now, how can you know somebody that you've never met? He's talking to his disciples who have met him, who know him intimately, Jesus even says that other, other parts of the Bible, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's introducing them to the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Counselor. And he says, you know him. That's a present tense. Not that you will know him. Not that when he gets here, you'll know him. You know him. Because to know Jesus is to know the Father. To know Jesus is to know the Holy Spirit. They are one in the same, one in their wills, one in their plan. One in their personalities and who they are, and yet different in their functionalities and their manifestations. It's an incredible mystery. But I'm going to play it out for you over the next couple weeks. We'll get it. 
We'll break it down. Wicka, wicka, you'll get it. And so Jesus is saying, hey, you know you will know him. Or you know him now. You know him because you know me. And then he says, not only do you know him, but he will be in you. Because Jesus had to leave first. And then he would send the Holy Spirit and he would come. So the Holy Spirit is God in spirit form. And Jesus says, I will give him to you. Now, the word that he uses there is counselor. And if you look at the original translation, because you know your Bible's written in two different languages, right? The Old Testament's written in Hebrew. The New Testament is written in Greek. And so it had to be translated into the English that you're reading up here on the page. And the Greek word was the word parakletos. And that word means we've translated into counselor, but if you were to explode it, and look at it like a, a word can mean multiple things or a bigger meaning. It means an intercessor. It means consoler. It means advocate, comforter, or helper. And the word para, the very first part of that, means to come alongside. So the Holy Spirit's job is to come alongside of the church. Now, I don't mean simple church, the building. We are the church. And his job is to come alongside us and not only be alongside us, but be in us and alongside everything that we are doing. That's his job. He's to come alongside us and comfort us. He's to come alongside us and console us, to intercede for us, to be our advocate, to pray for us, and to help us in a time of need. That's what the Holy Spirit is supposed to do. But can you imagine being the disciples, the kind of pushback that you would have? Like, oh, wait, but, but no, Jesus, we're cool. You just stay here with us. I mean, how cool would it be to have Jesus around? Like, have you ever thought about this? How cool would it have actually been to be around that dude, like in his presence? Like, you know, just, Jesus, I got a headache. And he's like, Bip, you're done, you're healed, you're good to go. <laughs> Come on, don't tell me that wouldn't be awesome. Or like, Jesus, hey, sorry I'm late to the meeting. Uh, my dog got run over by a car this morning and died. And Jesus like, dog's back to life. How awesome would that be? Or your cat passes away and Jesus on the spot can do the funeral because he's not raising that cat back to life. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> or if you're at a party and you run out of Cheetos and root beer, Jesus, we're out, everybody's still hungry and Jesus like done. More Cheetos, more root beer. I mean, how awesome would that be? This is the life of the disciples presently. You understand that. Maybe not Cheetos and root beer, but all this other stuff. They've experienced him raising people from the dead, healing people, casting out evil spirits. Blind people see, deaf people hear. And this is what it's like to hang out with Jesus 24-7. And he's like, I'm deuces and duck lips, outies. They're like, no, 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 don't go anywhere. It would have been awesome to have been with Jesus, but he says to them, he comforts them, and he says, look, I got to go. It would be better for me to go. That's what he says in uh, 16.7, he's John 16.7. He said, it's actually best for you that I go away because if I don't go, the counselor won't come. If I do go away, he will come because I will send him to you. Jesus is like, hey, guys, there is something better coming for you. See, Jesus said, I, I got to go. This is part of the plan. This is what I came to do was to establish this foundation of forgiveness, of freedom from your sins, a cleansing, a restoration of relationship between you and God so that the Holy Spirit no longer needed to dwell in a physical building behind a big veil. 
He says, he's going to dwell in your hearts. I got to go. I got to go. So what does the Holy Spirit do when he comes into our lives? Well, well, this week I'm going to talk a little bit about what he does. Next week I'm going to talk about his power to equip you for a supernatural life and a natural world. Because what does he give you? He gives you gifts. When you read the Bible, you find out there are gifts. There are gifts of faith. There are gifts of miracles. There are gifts of words of wisdom, words of knowledge. There's gifts of tongues and interpretation. There's all these gifts of power that he gives you. He also gives you, when he's at work in your life, the ability to produce fruit. What does that mean? Am I going to turn into a tree and start having bananas hang off of me? No. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How many of you could use a little bit of that in your life? You want me to say it again? You got it. The Holy Spirit produces that in your life. It's called the fruit of your relationship with him. He gives that to you, and we need that to live a supernatural life and a natural world. I mean, because let's be honest. How many Christians do you currently know that are living a, a victorious life? Because we walk around this world, and so many Christians are like what Paul said. They have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. They're still bound in their sins. They're, they have no peace. They have no joy. Christians walk around looking all sad all the time, constantly defeated by their circumstances and what they're enduring in life. And yet, that is not the life of a believer. I'm not saying that you won't ever have bad things happen. I'm saying that when they happen, we're supposed to have peace. That's what he promises us. But how many of us know Christians that are living a power-filled life, a spirit-filled life? Walk around gripped by fear and worry and anxiety. Why? Why do they choose a spiritless life? Because God desires a spirit-filled, spirit-empowered, spirit-led, and spirit-equipped life for all of us. That's his design for us. And it is better than any other way that you and I could live. So why do people choose to live a spiritless life? I think there's a couple reasons. The first reason is, is because that people choose to live a spirit-less spirit life is because they just aren't aware. They're just not aware of the Holy Spirit. This was true in the Bible. Paul comes up on some guys in Ephesus, and he asks them about it. They, people just don't know. He says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. So these are believers. These are Christ followers. They'd heard about Jesus. they chosen to follow him. And asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we, we didn't even hear there was a Holy Spirit. We don't know. Well, who is that? What is that? We come to find out later they were baptized by John, and then they received the Holy Spirit after that. They said, yeah, let's, let's do that. I want to receive that power in my life. But most of us don't engage with the Holy Spirit because we don't know much about him. We don't know much about what he has to offer. I think it's a little bit like traveling. Anybody here ever flown first class before? Okay, a few of you guys. How many of you guys, those that have, that have flown first class, that's what you paid to do, like you chose first class? Okay, so none of you. Okay, so we're all in the same boat because <coughs> how many of you fly coach? How many of you don't fly at all? How many of you are not going to stick your hand up? There's a few of you, yeah, okay. <laughs> Most of us get on a plane. And I think the Holy Spirit's a little like traveling. We get on a plane, and if it's a big plane, you kind of board in the middle, and you go right. And where's right taking you? To the back of the plane, right? 
If you were to go left, you're going to go through that little curtain. You're going to step through that gray curtain and you enter a brand new world. It's like, I can show you the world. Shining, shimmering, splendid. It's like your eyes get open if you ever accidentally take a left. Because what is left? First class, baby. I think some of these planes, the smaller planes, they're really rude because they put you on at the front of the plane and make you walk through it. And the first classers, they've already been seated. They've been seated for 30 minutes and they are waiting on you to get in there and get your butt sat down so they can take off. They've already got a cold drink and a blankie and they've got their laptops out just making more money sitting there. You know what I'm talking about? And you walk through that and it's like torture. It's like, oh, this plane is awesome. And then you go through the veil and it's like, oh dear God. This is the worst idea ever. Create a narrow tube and put five people in a row. This is a bad idea, especially for me, a big guy. I always wind up sitting like this with somebody. You know what I mean? It's just not comfortable. But life is different on the other side of the veil. If you go in, you sit in first class, they give you a drink in a glass, not in a plastic cup. They call you sir, they call you ma'am. The seats are big enough for you to stretch out in. Some of them even lay down like a bed. They give you a legit pillow, not like the little travel pillow. Or not like a blanket that the first class people didn't want. They'll give you little booties for your feet. They'll give you warm nuts. They serve you warm nuts. They serve you, they serve you anything you want. Meals are prepared for you in first class. It is a wonderful experience up there. It is infinitely better than what you experience back in coach. I remember one time. One time I was bumped. I was young. I was traveling on my own. And they oversold the plane. And they said, sir, we're going to have to bump you. And I was like, oh, what, is, what does that mean? They said, well, we're, we oversold the plane. We're going to bump you to first class. And I was like, okay. So they took me in, and they showed me my seat, and I felt like little orphan Annie. I was like, well, I guess I could start with the windows, and then I could vacuum the floors, because I didn't belong there. You know what I'm saying? How am I going to earn my keep? I'm up here with all the rich people, you know? And they're like, no, sir, this is our gift to you because we oversold the plane. And that was an incredible, incredible experience. I think Christians all over the world are missing out on what's behind the veil and what the Holy Spirit offers for our life because what's on the other side of that veil is infinitely better for you and me. There's a life that you and I don't know anything about, a spirit-filled life because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you and I. Think about that. That power is available to you and I, and it's the Holy Spirit. So why are we living a spiritless life? Well, most of us just don't know anything about him. The second reason we choose to live a spiritless life is, is actually a, a choice. We resist the Holy Spirit. We resist his prompting. We resist his leading, right? He speaks to our hearts and says, hey, go here, or hey, do this, or hey, don't do that. And we go, ah, but I really want to do this. It feels good to do this, right? It feels good. I mean, like, you know, I... I know that you've drawn some lines, but I, I, this really feels good to my body, or this makes me happy, or I just enjoy this, so I'm going to do it. Or it's, it's a, hey, go do this, and you're like, ah, no, I don't want to do that, because if I do that, then I'm going to be a little uncomfortable. It might cost me something to do what you just told me. I might have to sacrifice some of my time, some of my treasure, some of my talent. I might have to sacrifice a little bit, and we don't want to do that. And so we resist the Holy Spirit. We resist his leading and as a result of resisting him time and time again, our hearts 
become hardened. We no longer hear his voice anymore. In the Bible, there was a young man named Stephen. He was young, bold, courageous, and, and where I'm going to show you in this verse, he is giving a full chewing out to the Sanhedrin, which is the religious leaders of the day. And he's speaking to him, and this is what he says to him. You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, which that would have been a really major slam at that time, okay? Just, no, it's like saying, your mom, like, you know, it's the equivalent. It's like, <clears throat> he says, you are just like your father's. You always resist the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is leading us. He is prodding us. He is prompting us to follow him. We, we resist and we push back because we're unsure if it's him or not. Some people tell me that all the time. Well, I don't know if I'm hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. Well, let me tell you how I know, okay? I'm a selfish person. And if I'm hearing something in my heart that is self-preserving or takes care of me, that's probably just me. But if there's something that tells me to bless somebody else or do something for someone that God would ultimately receive glory for, whether it costs me something or not, that's probably the leading of the Holy Spirit, right? If, if, he, if he prompts me or nudges me and says, hey, that thing that you're about to do, you ought not do it. Or that thing that you don't want to do, that's what you need to do. Or that thing you're about to say, there's probably a better way to say that. Or you need to bless somebody this way and you're like, ah, I don't... I'm not sure. Like, what's the worst that could happen? You can be sure. Go ahead and do it. What's the worst that could happen? If it's not the Holy Spirit leading you, then you just bless somebody and somebody got blessed. What's the, is that the worst that could happen? We need to learn to respond to his voice when he's leading us. Just respond. A few weeks ago, I, I, many of you know this about me, but, but I, I lead a, a sexual purity group. We meet every Wednesday. And it's guys from all over the country. We meet online in a chat forum, and, and we're all on webcams. And these guys are pursuing a journey of sexual purity, freedom from pornography and unwanted behaviors. And I meet with them. I lead this group every Wednesday night. And I'm available throughout the week to pray with guys and talk to them, offer advice and help for their struggle and for their journey because it's a very legit struggle. And one of the guys reached out to me on a Sunday afternoon. And he said, hey, do you got time to talk? The truth is I didn't. I had five minutes, and I felt like that was not going to be enough time, and so I responded and said, I don't, but as soon as I have time, I promise you I'll give you a call. That was on a Sunday. I forgot about it. I forgot about it Monday. I forgot about it Tuesday. It was Tuesday night at 9 o'clock. It was after youth ministry here. I was headed with my kids to go see a movie. And the Holy Spirit put him on my heart. And I thought, oh, my kids are in the car. I'm on my way to a movie. I don't... I don't really, you need to call him right now. You need to call him right now. And it was this heavy press on my heart to call him. And I was like, all right, I'll call him right now. Picked up the phone and I dialed him. Now, he wasn't calling me about, he was calling me about something completely different. But he picked up the phone and he goes, hello? And I said, hey, man, how you doing? And he said, is this Aaron? I said, yeah. He said, it's crazy that you're calling me right now. I said, Why? He said, because I was calling you for something completely different, but I'm home by myself right now, and I have some material pulled up on my computer, and I was getting ready to watch it. Just before I clicked the mouse to push play, my phone rang, and it was you. And we celebrated together the Holy Spirit's prompting in my life, because as a result, he didn't use, he didn't watch it. And we celebrated that together, and we were encouraged that God has a plan for his life. It's exactly what he needed. Because of a prompting. What's the worst that could happen? 
and call somebody and love on them and encourage them. But in this case, it was, it was pivotal for him. Pivotal, absolutely pivotal for him. The power of, that's the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I can't make up stuff like that. I can tell you story after story after story where the Holy Spirit has engaged me to do things like that. I'm thankful in that moment that I didn't resist the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful. Because if you resist, the Bible says that you can grieve the Holy Spirit. See, he's a gentleman. He's not going to keep pushing himself on you. Like my wife. My wife, she just constantly wants to make out, right? She just, she, she always wants to make out. And she just, she just constantly, hey, just, just trying. I just, I resist her as much as I can. Like, I got things to do, and I put her off. But I can only do that for a couple days, Okay. And then, and then I have to be a good husband and minister to her needs because I'm good like that. I mean, I'll take care of it. You know, it's, it's good. I'm totally kidding, by the way. Totally kidding. All of you are like, this is a little uncomfortable. But, but imagine for a second that was the case. How long do you think she's actually going to attempt to, to engage with me? How long do you think she's going to push herself on me? Not very long. And the Holy Spirit is the same way. He's a gentleman. He's like, hey, I'm not. He's going to nudge you. He's going to prompt you. But he's not going to push himself on you and enforce his will on you. He, he's absolutely not going to do that. So why live a spirit, spiritless life? I think because we don't know. And I think because we resist his voice in our lives. There's a few things that you need to know, though, that the Holy Spirit offers you in your life. There's a couple ways that he will minister to you and speak to you. The first thing that the Holy Spirit does if you choose to engage him in your life is he will comfort you. He will comfort you. When you are hurting, the Holy Spirit comforts you. That's one of his roles. He's called the comforter. When I do funerals, I pray at the beginning of the funeral, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would comfort every heart that is broken and hurting right now. It doesn't say that he'll protect you from pain. It says he'll comfort you. That's his role. In John 14, 16, Jesus says, I'll pray the Father and he will give you another comforter. He may abide with you forever. God's presence, the Holy Spirit, is what will be with you through all of the difficult times. All of the pain that you can experience, all the difficult trials and circumstances, he is with you, and he is there to comfort you. I don't know how many of you, when you were kids, you had to take out the trash, but that was one of my responsibilities. And during the day, man, taking out the trash was no big deal. You walk straight out to the trash cans, pop that lid off, and toss it in. Walk inside, no problem. But buddy, when it was dark outside, that was creepy. I'd encountered too many raccoons because my brother, or the other one, didn't put the lid on the trash can too well, and that'll scare you something real bad. You go out in the dark to try to put a trash bag in a trash can, right? So every time it was dark, and I wanted to put a trash, and I was told, hey, you need to take out the trash. Hey, uh, will you guys come with me? So we just stand at the door? Just watch me take out the trash. I was pretty sure I was going to die every time it was dark outside. <laughs> Somebody just come on. Why? You don't know what I'm being silly, but you understand what I'm saying. In the middle of those things that, that you're afraid of, in the middle of those things that hurt you the most, what do you want? Somebody with you. So you can both die together, I guess. I'm not sure. <laughs> but it's comforting to have somebody with you. The first role of the Holy Spirit is to comfort you because he is always with you. God will never leave you and he'll never forsake you because the Holy Spirit is always with you. Many of you today, you're going through something. 
It's difficult. It's unexplainable. You don't understand why you're going through it. You don't feel like it's fair. You have no answers. Maybe you won't have one for many years, or maybe you won't get an answer to understanding God's plan and purpose for your life until the other side of eternity. But God is with you to comfort you through it with his Holy Spirit. Second thing the Holy Spirit does in our lives is that when he's within us, he counsels us. He leads us and guides us. You don't know what to do. Pray. The Holy Spirit will show you what to do. Jesus said in verse 13, he said, but when he... The spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all truth. If you're lost, pray. The Holy Spirit will direct you. He'll tell you what you need to do. He'll give you wisdom. He'll give you guidance. I remember it's kind of like the Holy Spirit is kind of like live TV a little bit. I I had a live TV experience (coughs) a few years back. I was on air with Johnny DiLoretto doing magic for a program called Miracles and Magic. I did it multiple years in a row. And having the Holy Spirit counsel in your life is kind of like what Johnny experienced. See, Johnny had a little in-ear monitor in his ear. And that when we were going live, like a few seconds before we went live, somebody was talking to Johnny, telling him, hey, we got 30 seconds, and then we go on air. 30 seconds, and we got to five seconds, five seconds, and he'd say it out loud, five seconds. How do you know that? He's like, somebody's talking to me in my ear. I got a producer. And then during the show, if Johnny didn't think to ask a question or to say something, that producer was talking to him, guiding him through the interview. Guiding him through the process. Stand up straight. Look the camera in the eye. You're like telling him everything he needed to do. The Holy Spirit is like that. He's that in-ear monitor. He'll guide you. Hey, say this. Hey, do that. Hey, go there. Hey, give this. There was this time I was sitting in church and I was just, I, I was, I was just attending a church. And uh, I was, we were worshiping during the, during the worship music. And I looked over and I saw this woman. She was probably two aisles over. And I don't know why. It wasn't like a a shaft of light or anything shot down on her. But I looked over and she was just, she was just being blessed as she worshiped God. And I said, God, just bless her. Just bless her. You know, bless her, Jesus. Come on, bless her. (laughs) Except I can't pull that off. So I said, God, please bless her. And I felt the Holy Spirit speak to my heart. He said, no, you go bless her. I said, well, how am I supposed to bless her? And during that, that day, I used to keep my checkbook in my pocket. The only way I could think to bless her, because I didn't have anything to say to her, I didn't know her, was to bless her financially. So I pulled out my checkbook, I wrote her a $100 check, and I walked over to her and I said, and I explained, I said, I saw you being touched during worship, and I I said, I told God to bless you, and he said, no, you bless her. I said, I don't know you, I don't know your circumstances, but here I just wanted to bless you. Some of you, $100 doesn't mean much, but to some of you, $100 means everything. And I don't know that woman. I never talked to her after that. I walked away. I never saw her again. She never saw me. I can't wait to get to heaven to find out what that was all about. But the Holy Spirit will guide you into what you need to do with your life and what you need to do. I love this description in Isaiah 30, 21 of the Holy Spirit. He says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. He's guiding voice of the Holy Spirit will comfort you. He will counsel you. And the last thing he'll do is convict you. The Holy Spirit will convict you. The Bible says when the Spirit comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Here it comes. You're like, this is the part. This is the one where he tells me how evil I am. This is the part where he tells me how horrible of a person I am. No, look... 
we have to stop thinking that repentance means turning away from our ways and turning to God's ways. That admitting that we are sinners and that we've kind of messed things up, we have to stop thinking that that's a bad thing. The Bible says it is the goodness of God that leads us to repent, to turn away from our sins. It is a beautiful thing because when we turn away from our ways, which we've just made a mess of things anyway, and we turn to doing things his ways, it is better. It's better. There is blessing. There is peace that you can't even begin to understand, the Bible says. We do things God's way. The Holy Spirit will convict us. Convict us of what we're doing in our lives. Maybe it's the way that you're treating somebody in a relationship. Maybe it's the way that you behave as an employee on the job. It could be small things and it can be great things. But he will convict us. Say, hey, you ought not be doing that. Some of you, as I'm talking about the fact that he convicts us of our sin, you're feeling a little bit of it right now. I didn't have to name it. And you kind of feel it. You already know what it is that you ought not be doing. That's the Holy Spirit telling you. You know what that is. Just repent. Just let it go. Don't harden your hearts today. Turn away from it. Confess your sin. Say, Lord, I'm sorry for doing it. Help me change. It's, it's so, so simple. Others of you, you're feeling a sense like a drawing today. A drawing that you've maybe never felt before in your life. A drawing to a relationship with God. That's the Holy Spirit convicting your heart that you need a relationship with Him, that it is better. He brings conviction into our lives. Don't resist Him. He's not trying to squash your fun. Sin is fun for a season, but in the end it leads to death, leads to brokenness. God just wants you to engage in that which is better for you because He loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son, God the Father sent his son to this earth to walk this world at, at, and have no sin in his life, to submit himself to a brutal murder so that he could raise from the dead and in doing all of that, allow you and I to be forgiven, a relationship between you and the Father to be restored. This is what Jesus did. And Jesus said, I'm going to go. Now that this has been restored, that chasm has been closed, the offense removed, the price paid. The Holy Spirit will empower you to live a life that is holy before God, one that honors him, one that blesses others, one that gives him glory. It's a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful picture, and God did it all because he loves you. The Holy Spirit will comfort you. He will counsel you, and he will convict you. Don't resist the leading of the Holy Spirit today. Let's pray. There are those of you that are here today. You're a Christ follower. Maybe you're on that other side of that dividing line where you live a spirit-less life. You don't want to be associated with the side of, that overemphasizes the Holy Spirit in, in their lives. Maybe you just resisted the Holy Spirit's leading. And you've resisted for so long that your heart has become hardened to his voice. If you're here today and you say, Aaron, I've been living a spiritless life that's evidence because I'm still bound by my sin. 
I have no joy. I'm anxious. No peace. I need to experience a renewing in my heart. I need to experience a fresh, fresh breath of God's spirit today. Lord, if that's you and you'd say, Aaron, I need my heart softened. That I need to be forgiven for being so stubborn. Others of you would say, well, you know what? I'm not even sure that I'm hearing his voice, but I wanted to ask him to speak to me. I want to begin to hear his voice. Because maybe you just didn't know. Maybe you didn't know that he wants to speak to you, that he's been leading you, that he's been guiding you. If you're here today and you want to engage that, as a Christ follower, you want to live a spirit-filled life. Would you just let me know? Would you just say, Aaron, that's me. Just shoot your hand up. Say, that's me, man. Pray for me. That's me. Yeah. It's awesome. Thank you. Lord, I pray. I pray that you would spend, send a spiritual renewing right now. Lord, I pray that you would forgive us for our stubbornness. Soften our hearts, God so that we can hear your voice again. Some of us for the first time. And I pray, God, that as we hear it, Lord, that we would be bold to respond, that we would not consider our loss, that we would not consider the time or the talent or the treasure that we would need to give up to follow you, but that living a spirit-filled life would be so much greater than anything we could hold on to. Fill us with your spirit, God. Let us live an adventure with you through the person of the Holy Spirit. As we continue to pray right now, there are those of you in this room that you have not even begun a relationship with Christ. See, the Bible tells us that the sin that we commit, in other words, doing things our way, is offensive to a holy and perfect God. And as a result of that sin in our life, a penalty, a price must have been paid, must be paid. And God sent his son Jesus to pay that price. With his death and resurrection, Jesus gave it all so that you and I could be forgiven. Jesus paid that price for us. And if you need a relationship restored with God, if you would like to begin that journey today, the Bible tells us the way to do that is through Jesus alone. And if today that's you, you want to begin that journey to follow Jesus, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want to be counted in on that prayer so that you can begin to follow Jesus, so that you can begin a spirit-filled and empowered life. I'm not going to embarrass you. There's nobody looking around. I just want to know that you're here. Would you say, Aaron, count me in on that prayer? Would you just shoot your hand up? Do it now. Say, that's me. Do it now. Do it now. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. Put your hands down. Thank you. If you're watching by Periscope today, or even if you're listening through the podcast, I believe that if you would pray with us, God will meet you right where you're at. And everything in your world will change. You have a fresh outlook on life. You have hope. You have peace. You have joy like you've never known before. Won't you join us pray along. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you came to this earth. You died on the cross for my sins. That you rose from the dead 
so that I could be filled with your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill me now. Show me how to live for you. And I'll spend every day doing that. Jesus, be Lord of my life. I need you. Amen.